Hi everyone, it's Guillaume from Startup Basecamp. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. During the show, you will have the opportunity to meet the best climate tech founders, investors, and experts from both Silicon Valley and around the globe. They will share with you their stories and personal journeys into this growing and exciting industry, giving you some insight into the ecosystems that help you to take part in the fight against climate change and benefit from the opportunities it can represent podcast is divided in two small interviews. During the first part, you will get to know our speakers, their perspectives on the climate crisis and how climate tech is changing the game. Second part of the discussion will be for members of our community who will learn the speaker's secret sauce on how to and share with you their unique expertise on topics such as fundraising, management, strategy and so on to help you to become a better leader in your field. So before we start, I would like to quickly share what we are doing at Startup Basecamp to support climate tech founders in accessing resources and gaining visibility with investors they seek. Our initiatives include a membership-based community platform offering access to a dedicated Slack group with a growing number of founders, experts and investors from around the world and a series of exclusive content such as interviews, weekly job listings, events, and our quarterly online pitch of night opportunity. But more than a place where you can learn, exchange, and grow, we are building a matchmaking service to facilitate connections between our members and top investors and experts in the field. And soon, alongside with other top investors, we will be launching a small fund to co-invest in the growth and acceleration of our members. Finally, all of this is possible because of your support and donations. We are a small self-funded team and we want you to be part of this collective movement against climate change. So please share one episode with a friend and subscribe to the channels. As an added bonus, we will plant a tree for each of our subscribers each time we reach 1,000 new fans or donors. Do not hesitate to connect with me via social media or email guillaume at Startup Basecamp. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope to get in touch with you soon. And now, let's go for the show. Hi everyone, in today's episode, we are speaking with Daniel Visevich, founding partner at World Fund. World Fund is a European climate tech VC investing in startups from C to Series B that have the potential to save at least 100 megaton of CO2 equivalent per year. Their focus areas are key emitting sectors such as energy, food and agriculture, manufacturing, buildings and transport. Through these focus areas, they aim to fill two significant investment gaps in climate tech when it goes from the lab to the market and when it leaves the pilot stage to scale. I was excited to have Daniel on the show, a unique person driven by the love of life who has an unusual career path that led him to co-found a 350 million climate tech fund. Daniel worked as a journalist and a communication expert in politics for the German Chancellor Angela Merkel before investing in and supporting early stage climate tech founders through the World Fund. This episode, Daniel will share his view of the European climate tech ecosystem, the gap between R&D and funding, and the challenges and opportunities that lie in Europe for accelerating capital deployment and directly impacting climate change. Then, he will cover in detail how they select and support founders and how they measure the impact that they base their investment decision on. 
Together, we will go on to highlight underdog areas in the climate tech ecosystem in which he sees exciting potential for investments, growth and impact. Following that, Daniel will share his view on the climate crisis today and how you can be involved in the growing climate tech movement and the World Fund. In the second part of the show, Daniel will give his secret sauce for founders looking to fundraise and avoid red flags to pitch investors successfully. Lastly, Daniel will cover how he tackles challenges to maintain a healthy work-life balance and share a few inspiring authors for climate tech founders. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hi, Daniel. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. I'm super happy to have you here with us today. I believe it's going to be a great opportunity to hear about your story and learn more about what you guys are up to with World Fund. So welcome to the show. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. So before we start, uh, could you please give us a 30 second introduction about World Fund? Yes. So World Fund is looking for climate tech startups, mainly in Europe, that have the potential to save at least a hundred, uh, 100 megatons of CO2 or equivalent uh, emissions per year. So it's climate tech, what's mainly in two sectors, energy and food, agricultural land use the second sector so why we are focusing on Europe is because we have a huge investment gap here we have the best talents best teams best tech most companies um, but no funding and uh, this is crucial to not only save humankind but also to um, use this investment opportunity wisely and uh, yes here we are Fantastic. So before we go uh, too far into all of those details that we'll cover later in the interview, let's start from the from the top. Can you tell us a bit more about uh, your personal story and background? What are you passionate about? What do you do besides working on supporting investing uh, in founders? I mean, what makes you feel inspired or like your best self? Who is Daniel? Ah, <laughs> uh, cool question to start with. So I think uh, as for, for an investor, I have quite an uh, unusual path that I went to here. So I'm passionate about purpose. Of course, purpose is a huge uh, word, but I learned that um, I'm happy and able to really go 100% when I uh, see purpose in what I do. And if I don't, I'm dead. So um, I only can do things uh, that I believe in 100%, not less. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just driven. I'm, I'm a person who is driven by, um, maybe it sounds a bit esoteric, but I'm driven by the love of life. Um, we have a fantastic planet. We have a brilliant humankind. We have so beautiful life on earth. And um, I believe, I really believe that um, nearly every single human is brilliant and fantastic. And uh, we should, save our lives and prevent um, yeah and, and that's why I'm in the, in the climate crisis I mean it's a huge threat and I think uh, climate tech is a huge part of the solution is that something that you you see in your daily life in the you know activities that you do on the side uh, or hobbies that you have absolutely I mean <sighs> so I spent nearly all of my time for the world fund uh, besides that, I have friends and family, uh, and I'm surrounded by people who inspire me. So 
I make hard choices in whom I'm together with. I, I, I surround myself with people who are positive, optimistic, who are energized and who also love humankind. And uh, we have so many people of, of, of that. So uh, I would say this is like my main filter if somebody is um, positive, optimistic and really wants to reach something in life. Uh, those people usually are inspiring and um, those people make me happy. Thank you for sharing all of that. So let's go back to, uh, to the, the professional uh, aspect of, of you. Uh, can you tell us a bit about your different work and life experience prior to the, the World Fund? I mean, I see that you've been a, a journalist, communication expert in, in politics, uh, worked with uh, Ecoshare investing in, in climate tech. Uh, so not, I would say, like uh, the traditional road uh, to become a founding partner in the large VC fund. Uh, what did you learn during that journey that gave you an edge to start a firm? Yes. So everything led to the year 2018-19, where I was uh, thinking about either I use the power I have, I mean, uh, the power I have to, to tackle the climate crisis as what I've learned as journalist, storytelling, powerful, you can inspire people, you can move them. Or to use the political network I have. Um, I learned about politics a lot while working for five years for Angela Merkel. And... Um, The third thing is my network of VCs and startups. And um, I decided to go for a fund because those who really change something are entrepreneurs. Those are the people who have the power, who are, as I described the people before, those are entrepreneurs. Those founders change things. So, yeah, let me give you a bit of a background why uh, in 2018-19 that, that was really crucial moments for me to decide to, to build the World Fund together with uh, strong partners. So, as mentioned already, I worked as journalist um, for the most time of my life. And um, it's, it's, it's brilliant. Focusing on venture capital and startups, I was always um, sucked in by this uh, energized people who really want to change something. Um, then between 2012 and 2017, um, I had the opportunity to work for Angela Merkel being co-responsible for her audiovisual appearance and was reporting directly to the government spokesman, learned a lot, seen a lot. Mm. But you know, everything I also learned during this time is that it that that it needs so much time. Journalism is only indirect. You're not acting, you're only describing how others act. Politics, you know, Angela Merkel has underst she understood the climate crisis better than I don't know who else on earth. And still, the politics that came out, for me personally, and I'm a big fan of her, um, it is disappointing, especially when you know that she's someone who really got it as a physicist also. And um, But then, the most promising things I've seen is entrepreneurs building stuff. I, I want to mention Tesla. Of course, this is like a lighthouse. But you know how many decades we have tried to electrify transport and, and, and the car industry? Didn't happen because... Um, Politics didn't make it, storytelling didn't make it, but a company like this disrupts. So, and, and you mentioned that uh, 2018, your previous experience, but do you recall any, um, you know, haha moment uh, that has been you, that you can consider as your, your driver to jump into the, the climate tech industry per se? Um, to be honest, Greta Thunberg, this young woman 
and all the young people on the streets in 2018. I mean, I'm a member of the Green Party since 2001, what, by the way, uh, government spokesman and the chancellor knew, and it speaks for them, that that was totally fine for them. Um, and I'm, I have a green heart. I'm aware of the climate crisis, but I didn't know how se severe it is until young people started to go on the street. And they have a reason to do that, because what we are doing with this planet is horrible and it's basically it's not the planet planet will so survive another around four or five billion years um but we <laughs> uh, yeah so um that's that's the moment um it was deep research i've done for um to be honest one day that i understood how, what a dimension this crisis has and then i had very bad days very bad nights uh, didn't sleep because I understood what's in front of us and yeah then I did the decision that I made and and I'm so happy that World Fund worked out and that we already started to invest and uh, support founders who make the change so before we go into the the detail of uh, of World Fund uh, let's let's zoom out and, and take a step back at the European uh, climate tech ecosystem can you give us your personal overview of the landscape today in terms of uh, funding, tech, ongoing research and, and structure to, to support the growth of new solutions. I mean, why do we have the need to create a, a champion? Uh, are we behind compared to the US or the rest of the world? I mean, what are the European advantages and weaknesses to decarbonize the economy? Mm -hmm. We have many advantages um, and we are at the forefront when it comes to climate tech R&D. So only on European Union level, uh, we will spend in a program that's what's called Europe, um, Horizon Europe, we will spend 33.4 billion euros on climate tech R&D until 2027. We have done already with a program that's called uh, Horizon 2020. Since 2014, on European level, 58 billion euros were invested into climate tech uh, R&D. Climate tech R&D. So um, adding to that, national budgets in France, Germany, Spain, Italy, and all the other um, 27 European Union countries. Of course, we have to add United Kingdom, also strong in climate tech R&D investments. Hundreds of billions of um, euros are added on top of that. What results in 28% of all the climate tech patent applications worldwide are European. A third of all the leading research institutes and universities are European. We have the most climate tech startups, if you compare it to China uh, and or North America, but we have least funding. <laughs> so we are number one in everything to prepare to, to, to build a, an ecosystem. Uh, what's, what's perfect for the next climate corns, unicorns, for the next most successful companies in climate tech. But then when it comes to funding, in the moment when it's like close to really generate revenue and profit, we say, ah, that's entrepreneurship, risky. And others come. When you look at the funding in Europe, um, two thirds in climate tech investments, especially the, the I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the growth uh, fund rounds. Um, it's not European BC capital. So 
but I will double click on that uh, on that part. I mean, according to you, and uh, your fund is fairly large for the European level. I think it's around like three hundred million or something like that. Uh, correct me if yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah, aiming for yeah, three hundred fifty. We're still fundraising, so three hundred fifty. So. If you pile up, I was speaking with uh, Christian Hernandez from 2150, uh, also a fund, a fund around like 200 and, 200 and uh, something uh, millions. I mean, you have the fund of uh, Pale Blue Dot, you have like different funds. And if you pile them up all together, do we have enough funding for those startups that you uh, that you mentioned that, uh, you know, coming out of the, the, the labs and the, so much R&D that is uh, an, an amount of money yeah. is uh, invested in there. So how do you see like the cursor? I know, are we like behind? Do we need more? fund like yours uh, or we should uh, just start to invest now and see what uh, what's next we have to start to invest as soon as possible and we are behind we need a hundred world funds we need a hundred pale blue dots a hundred 2150 climate tech funds so the world fund those 350 million euros a bit more than half of it is already committed and we started to invest um, is only as we say in Germany, a drop of water on a hot stone. Only in Germany, we have a gap per year of 22.7 billion euros for climate tech companies that, that's needed on, on venture capital. It's a study conducted by the German Energy Agency, what's part of the German Ministry for Economy and Climate. In December, they conducted the study. So per year, only in Germany, climate tech startups need venture capital of 22.7 billion euros so yes we are behind and we need to act fast one more number in october we launched our fund so after we knew we are we are really on the road and we have more than half of the capital committed we felt um, confident enough to go public um, and uh, we received more than a thousand one hundred applications since then we are rejecting or redirecting brilliant founders just as, uh, out of opportunity reasons so and it's the hardest thing you can do in life when you see a founder and you know she or he has a great team great vision technology is has proven to work and you're out of opportunity cost must say sorry we, we only can invest with the fund in 40 companies in 40 and we have to reject all the best so according to you, and that's very uh, interesting because, uh, you know, with Startup Basecamp, uh, our main mission is really to accelerate uh, capital deployment towards those climate tech uh, startups. So what is missing in the ecosystem right now? Uh, what is it like policies? Is it like uh, lack of support? Uh, I would, I'm speaking about the European level, like how can we accelerate uh, this capital uh, deployment? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, what's missing is new regulations, a carbon price. But what I have learned is don't wait for politics, just act. So as I said, what's changing the world is companies like Tesla. It's not subsidies or um, whatever. Um, so what we need besides this, of course, but this is wishful thinking and we hope that um, politics will, when, when we act, uh, also follow. But what we need is three things in the venture capital in Europe. We need bigger funds. We need patient capital and we need smart capital. When I, when I talk about bigger funds, um, 
those climate tech companies usually need more capital. It's it's hardware components um, included, and and so then we need also um, a longer time and, and more patient capital because um, as we have seen, uh, there was already an investment era, clean tech 1.0, uh, between 2006 and 2011. The companies uh, funds invested then only now are worth more than thousand billion euros so it needed really a lot of time to become successful and the third thing is our funds in Europe lack smart investment teams who understand also the tech we have brilliant people who understand the business but what we lack is that uh, those teams are also consisting of chemical engineers mechanical engineers mathematicians physicists nuclear physicists chemists biologists we need capital to be smarter than it is today that's one thing I learned traditional VCs in Europe hesitate uh, to, to invest into climate tech because we don't understand it it's deep tech hmm. e-commerce is easier to understand let's go for sure so before closing this uh, European chapter uh, I mean you guys have a, a deep view about uh, the different uh, countries ecosystems so which are according to you like the, the countries that you see the most innovation coming out of uh, why are those ones and what makes them special that maybe others don't have. Mm. Yeah, we, we see a lot in Germany um, and we are based in Berlin, Munich, Cologne and in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Uh, we see brilliant universities and institutions um, in Switzerland, in France, um, in the UK. Mm. I don't know how to answer this question now because it's, it's we have brilliant everywhere from Porto to Kiev I don't know from Oslo to Athens um, maybe you can specify your question more 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 specific and I'll, I'll, I'll give you maybe a better uh, answer yeah the idea was just to get a, like a, a better sense of like do you see any trends in terms of like countries I mean you you're based in uh, in Germany and, and clearly Germany is uh, ranking one of the top uh, I would say in terms of the climate tech ecosystem uh, innovation coming out. Uh, the idea was to understand a little bit uh, on your side, uh, what are the most, um, I mean, pipeline or deal flow do you see? Uh, which country is the one producing the, the most innovation right now? Um, yeah, yeah. And if like, if they're all equal, that's fantastic, but I'm sure there is like, uh, you know, like some trends that uh, you are starting to, to see emerging right now. Yes. Um, it, yeah, we of course because we're in Germany, we have strong deal flow from Germany. It's where we are. Um, we are among the first, uh, for sure, to um, get the best deals on the table. Um, but also from other countries. Um, I'm very impressed by um, startups from the UK. Um, I'm surprised by the number of uh, what's coming from there. Uh, they seem to really have a uh, fantastic. Okay, no surprise. Fantastic universities. Fantastic entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial um, mindset. Um, but then, uh, also another uh, surprise maybe, uh, we have a lot from uh, Eastern European countries, from the Baltics, for example, what's coming over. Not to mention the North. So now, now I consciously didn't mention um, the Scandinavian countries, who really are, um, Stockholm is a climate tech hub. Consciously didn't mention Paris, what's set uh, to be among the top three climate tech hubs in Europe, uh, among Berlin and London. Um, yeah, and you would you would like to hear the the, the the deals, the type of deals? 
No, it's more about like the trends that you are seeing, but I think you uh, you, you you covered that. So uh, thank you so much. So with, with the goal of uh, in mind to keep you know the the 1.5 uh, Celsius overall temperature increase by 2050, uh, which is I mean according to you the, the proportion between uh, tech versus nature-based solution that needs to be implemented, and why do you believe it's important to push both type of solution or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the proportion is we need 100% tech and we need 100% nature. <laughs> um, it's it's just I mean the crisis is is huge is too small as word. It's um, if you really uh, look at the crisis, it's I mean the Earth will continue to warm until 2050 no matter what we do. That's the IPCC report saying and. So we only can influence until 2050, to which degree 1.5 degrees would be fantastic if we only warm to, to 1.5, um, and I hope we'll achieve it. We're not on the path to it. So um, we need every solution. You know, I'm fond of nature-based solutions. I would love to see us as soon as possible to turn to regenerative farming. That's not a tech solution, but tech can help to incentivize farmers to get to um, regenerative farming. Regenerative farming is, is basically you don't pluck, you don't use fertilizers or less or different, um, because by nature, soil saves carbon. And um, the way we do agriculture today is uh, basically we make soil um, not save carbon, um, unleash it to the atmosphere, and that's a major driver of, of, of global warming. So here, tech and, 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 and nature come together. And here also what comes in is the, the negative role of politics because subsidies, um, especially in Europe, uh, to maintain this kind of uh, deathful agriculture, uh, it's politics that is subsidizing and incentivizing into the totally wrong direction. On a side note, and then um, we of course have purely tech. Let me talk about batteries, about um, how we produce energy, wind, solar, how we save it, how we transport it. Um, yeah, that's um, we have to invest in, in, in everything. So let's go into the, the specifics of the, the wolf. And can you tell us a bit more about like the, the, the story, the genesis of it? Uh, with who did you uh, co-founded the, the fund? And what was the initial gap uh, you saw that led the thesis behind the, the wolf fund? The gap is this climate tech gap. So there's a lot of literature uh, that has been um, written during the last 10 years. And we have a book that's called Project Drawdown, basically more than 100 scientists um, doing research. What do we have to invest in to reverse global warming? Project Drawdown came out as a book in 2017, was a huge inspiration for us, for all of us. When I speak about us, it's four founders. It's Tim Schumacher, whom I met 25 years ago when we started to study in Cologne. And I worked a lot with Tim together, so there's a very uh, strong relationship. Christian Kroll uh, is um, the founder of Ecosia. Oh, you see, I have to say it's five partners. Christian Kroll is not a partner of us, but he uh, is, is very important for kicking things off. Christian Kroll is the founder of Ecosia. They planted nearly 150 million trees, uh, very profitable. Ecosia, thanks to Christian, is our uh, anchor investors. So already two years ago, they said, okay, you can have 10 million uh, from from us. So this was uh, helping us a lot 
for fundraising when you have upfront an anchor investor like that. Third is Daria Saharova uh, from Munich. Um, in 2020, she was awarded Best Female Investor from the German Startup Awards. As Tim was, by the way, 2020 awarded as Best Male Investor. And the fourth partner uh, I'm talking about is Craig Douglas, who um, also uh, built Set Ventures, an energy and climate tech investor from Amsterdam. And he um, joined our team uh, early so that, uh, yeah, we are four co-founders um, who are driven by this gap described basically in Project Drawdown's book. So when you know you decide to invest in uh, in founders, and I saw that you guys, and we'll cover that a little bit after, uh, started to uh, deploy capital. I mean, what do you offer us to those uh, to those founders that you invest in? Uh, what are the and what are the challenges that you see that uh, they are uh, specific to them that uh, you guys try to, I would say, fulfill the the gap uh, in between and and, and support uh, not only with uh, with capital, uh, but uh, mm -hmm. what else do you uh, do you offer? Why should founders come to you? Yeah. So, first of all, what's really very important to us is that they save or have the potential to save at least 100 megatons CO2 emissions or equivalents per year. So that's a major filter because you have a lot of climate tech um, that is not this powerful. And what we have to do to reverse global warming is to decarbonize period. And as uh, and a tech that is powerful in decarbonizing um, is the tech we want to invest in. Also because of the ratio we have, we believe that every company that will help us to decarbonize will be the most valuable in the next decade. So those climate returns, as we call it, are early indicators for superior financial returns. So why should a founder come to us? Uh, she should come to us because um, she has a team that consists of very different people. So I have a political background and um, strong ties here. Um, regulations matter. So besides that, communications professional and especially deep tech uh, founders, um, they sometimes struggle with storytelling. They're, sometimes I say they're too smart to keep things simple. I'm here to translate. <laughs> Tim Schumacher has built um, dozens of companies. He will help with company building. Daria Saharova, the same. We all have a huge network to uh, other investors and potential customers. Also, the brand is re very relevant. So we are built by purpose-driven people. And the best founders are purpose-driven. They recognize immediately, are you in for only the financial return, also for the climate return. Um, so we... For example, also have the founders of Scientists for Future among our advisors. Um, and last but not least, we are a big fund. Climate tech needs a lot of money. That's one of the reasons why we started this big, biggest climate tech we see in Europe, because climate tech needs more than a million or two. You need follow-on rounds. So we have initial ticket sizes of one to eight million, and we can invest up to 30 million per company and go to more rounds. And we invest with traditional um, superior VCs. And that's also very relevant for signaling that you really have investors. Um, besides the World Fund, that as the World Fund signal, you have connection to the best follow-on LPs then who will 
continue to support you financially and uh, operationally. So can you give us some, uh, some examples of the, the previous uh, investment that uh, you guys started to, uh, to do? Uh, what makes them special if you have uh, one or two uh, examples of a team? No need to uh, specify any names if you don't want, but uh, what about making them special? Was it the market, the team, the tech? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. how do you source those uh, founders team? I mean, who should come to pitch you? Yeah, so we sourced them mainly through network, but also through um, our visibility on, on LinkedIn. Sometimes, um, for example, the, the first investment we have done, uh, I was introduced to uh, through LinkedIn, uh, through a group of people, Juicy Marbles. I'll tell you a bit more about them. Um, but of course, it's, it's, it's a network. Uh, when you know how VC works, um, you get the deals usually. It's in Europe, maybe a group of thousand people where you really know, okay, they're giving the deals to one another and we are among of them. Um, but then of course, it's um, if, if you then are the one who can really source things, if you have strong ties to universities and programs in place as we have, if you have strong ties to scientists for future uh, who, who generate deal floor, um, uh, not actively, but we, have, we, we get deals uh, that others don't get, uh, through also our strong connections to Max Planck Institute, Fraunhofer Institute, the universities I mentioned like RWTH or um, KIT in Karlsruhe or TU Berlin, and I can name many more. Uh, then of course um, you also give value to this round of a thousand um, investors. But back to Juicy Marbles, uh, because you said what what we are looking for. We are always looking for a product that, even if the carbon price is zero, as said, don't wait for politics. <laughs> Even then, they will be superior. And Juicy Marbles has produced a filet mignon, a steak that uh, just now hit the markets. Uh, it's a Y Combinator company. They're based in Slovenia. Um, and their steak is not only delicious, has the texture, texture of, of meat and looks like meat. It also is healthier, is, uh, has price, um, uh, the same price level as, as animal uh, made. Um, animal uh, filet mignon um, and uh, yeah so this is a superior product um, and so we look for products that hit the market earlier than the competition um, the special thing is we have a lot of plant-based meat out there already um, but Juicy Malbus has the best whole cut meat um, just order it taste it you'll see it's filet would love to have them in the in the show. We did uh, on the on the fish side uh, recently with uh, Umami Meat, a very interesting uh, company. So uh, definitely, we should uh, we should connect uh, with them. So, which sectors are the, the most promising uh, for you today in terms of like what I called ICR impact cash return? I mean, meaning building company with uh, you know uh, high impact and uh, sometimes creating high profitable business. Do you see any underdogs or subsectors area that you're excited about uh, in the climatic landscape as of today? <clears throat> I could name many, but maybe I'll, I'll, I'll mention something very unusual, what's maybe not considered as climate tech. Uh, we are deep diving, deep diving now into um, quantum computing <laughs> because um, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe it's too early to say. Maybe we'll conclude uh, now that's not climate tech, but our um, early indications, and we are uh, deep diving already for uh, months here, uh, our indications are that uh, this could really leap so many segments. It could um, 
give us leaps in, in terms of developing new batteries uh, with a new and higher density so that all the goals we have, uh, what batteries could achieve until the end of this decade uh, could be just like when we have quantum computing, we'll, we'll achieve much, much more materials um, that you need for many things, fuels. Um, I mean, this is something I'm, I'm pretty excited right now about. Um, maybe not the sector you've, you expected now me to, to, to mention. Yeah. And it's not the sector, it's basically it's influencing everything. I think it's interesting because, uh, you know, like I was uh, speaking with, uh, with Christian and he was mentioning him, it was like uh, heating, cooling. That was like something that uh, uh, was really interesting to, uh, to him uh, right now. So uh, everyone is kind of like this uh, deep dive and uh, it's always uh, interesting to, to get that. Uh, any other sectors that you see that uh, you've been seeing right now that uh, excite you? Yes, definitely. So what we uh, look at is always what's emitting like crazy so that we can have the uh, strongest lever, believing that uh, if you can save as, as many emissions as possible, you'll be uh, as, as highly probable as possible, the most valuable company of the next decade. So this for, um, I mentioned already the regenerative agriculture sector, but difficult to find a business model. Um, of course, industrial heating, for example, uh, is something uh, where emissions are taking place. Um, we're looking at, at some companies uh, that can um, get to industrial relevant heat uh, far above 1000 uh, degrees of Celsius um, in, in a climate neutral way to replace uh, how we heat in industry today. Mm. Mm. I'm hesita hesitating to, to mention long term stories because that's uh, that's already like, yeah, valuations went went irrational high batteries of course um, we always love when it goes a layer deeper when it's uh, not about um, improving something but um, reinventing basically um, new components compositions of, of what's already in place so out of all of those uh, you know sectors that you see all of those pitch companies coming to pitch you that you that you hear to your opinion which are the solution that uh, you believe makes zero sense whatsoever and sounds like a, to be a waste mm -hmm. of time and, and resource or maybe greenwashing even if you have a, mm -hmm. any example that uh, you recently heard and you say like no 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 mm -hmm. um huh. i don't want to um speak too bad but i think that micro mobility needs definitely um to develop more or uh, develop in another direction as it does today. So all the promises that uh, we heard basically are zero or even negative. So um, recently I studied from the ETH in Zurich, uh, University, Technical University of Zurich in Switzerland, uh, conducted a very good study to show. And that was quite disappointing that um, micromobility as it is um, realized today is adding emissions. So um, I'm also very sad to hear that um, like a third of the climate tech investments in Europe are in this space. So basically when you when we hear, yeah, uh, we doubled climate tech investments, it's already 11 billion that have been invested into climate tech last year, cut a third away. I'm sorry, uh, that's not climate tech. Yeah, that's something we are not looking at right now. 
So you mentioned uh, the 100 megaton of CO2 equivalent uh, emission per year uh, that you're seeking for, but how do you measure this, this, uh, this amount, uh, this impact? Do you have any specific like process or framework? Mm -hmm. Do you rely yes. on scientists and experts to validate that, uh, that tech? I mean, I, this criteria of like uh, CO2 mm -hmm. equivalent, um, maybe social yes. impact as well? Yes, we, um, so, the ratio behind is, uh, and to be to be honest, when we started to talk about the World Fund, uh, I was very fond of like, let's build an impact fund. I'm really the kind of impact dude. But my team is out of the financial sector and they're very financially driven and um, I love it. We're very complementary altogether. And Tim said, you know what, Daniel, when we invest only in climate tech, only in climate impact, everything else will positively be affected too. And that's true. Because uh, when climate crisis um, accelerates, everything goes down. So we have to reverse global warming and we'll solve so many problems. Of course, in every investment that we do, we check, does it do any harm? But our main criteria is to reduce um, emissions and biodiversity. That's something very relevant to add. And it's also part of the do no harm. Um, it's also something that is under under um, represented uh, when, when checking uh, where to invest but that's another uh, theme we can fill uh, full podcast biodiversity so um, yeah how we do it um, we have a mathematician uh, within our team already for two years Daniel Valenzuela who has um, developed the CPP assessment climate performance potential assessment he uses tools that are already out there combines it and through this methodology it's um, top-down and bottom-up approaches, we can estimate, is this technology able to save at least 100 megatons per year? Then we let it review by Chad Frischman, who is one of the brains of Project Drawdown, and by Vanessa Bach, who is working for the Technical University in Berlin, so that we have reviewed it. And we also rely a lot when doing this uh, on, on peer-reviewed scientific papers. Um, so Daniel is in the lead here, uh, our mathematician. And um, the CPP assessment is also something our startups profit very much uh, from because um, Daniel can also show our startups how they can even have a higher potential. Any plan to measure along the way as well if like uh, what has been like promised uh, is, uh, you know, sticking to the, to, to, to the roadmap or uh, is it something that uh, you will see in the future? Measuring along the way? Yeah. Um, we have to measure uh, along the way because from year to year situation um, is different in terms of the CPP, the climate performance potential. So um, tech develops, thankfully, world is changing. So per se, um, all the calculations we do this year will be wrong next year. And that's good. Uh, this for um, you, it's, yeah, you have to have this in mind when doing this, these assessments. Um, and was there another part of this question? measuring along the way no it was just to understand like you know sometimes you know people base their framework at uh, time a and then uh, yes. decide to invest and after that um, you know it's always important i, ah. I believe to be able to uh, follow on uh, and make sure that uh, uh, what was promised at first yeah. uh, makes sense uh, and that ah, we should yes. keep maybe investing in the next round or maybe the invest yeah. and that's uh, you know funds decide on themselves what they want to do on that no. side no, no, no. We make uh, 
parts of our carry um, dependent on the climate return. So we follow, we measure, we have yearly reports on not only ESG criteria, but also on the CPP criteria. Um, and if we don't achieve the goals we define, um, parts of the carry will be invested in a way that uh, we can fill the gap um, of not avoided emissions, uh, what our goal was with that investment. So personal question, uh, what's your view on the climate crisis? Uh, as I always ask, are we doomed? Uh, what would you say to, to people who feel certainly demoralized uh, by all the terrible news and already visible consequences mm -hmm. of, uh, of climate change? Mm -hmm. We are definitely not doomed. And if we would have people who are able to travel by time from 100 years ago to today, they will tell us all your sleepless nights, not necessary, we are not doomed because humankind is brilliant. I believe very much in that we will reverse global warming before it gets so severe that um, the worst consequences appear. So. Um, what we have to have in mind is until 2050 it will be warming. We will um, have, in terms of climate and our children, um, worse times than uh, our generation so far had and the previous. Um, but we will make those generations after proud of ourselves. They will say, okay, they acted, they could have acted faster, but what they've done is brilliant. We're not doomed. Thank you. So. What's next for the World Fund? How can the community uh, of investors, founders, experts listening to the, to the show today can help you? Of course, um, still fundraising, but uh, we are not allowed to um, talk about that uh, publicly <laughs> too much. So um, what you can do, yeah, follow us on LinkedIn, <laughs> on Twitter, if you are a founder uh, who has a startup that can save, has the potential, uh, apply. We have a web page on our um, web page. It's worldfund.vc slash four minus startups. And um, yeah, just just stay confident and believe in uh, what, what we are able to do because humankind has shown so many times that the bigger the crisis, the more brilliant we are. Thank you so much. So to conclude this, uh, this first part of the interview, any question I should have asked? I did not. No, I'm, I think I've said everything I wanted to say. Main message was maybe the latter, but not only be an optimist, but also act and dedicate your life, dedicate your life for uh, fighting the climate crisis for yourselves, for our children and all the life on the wonderful planet. Thank you so much, uh, Daniel, for your time and uh, incredible insights on the European uh, ecosystem. I'm so excited to see so many, you know, brilliant people like uh, like you putting so much effort uh, to move the, the ball towards a, a better and cleaner world. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. Hi, it's Guillaume again. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. As I said, do not hesitate to share an episode with a friend. Also, if you value the work we do for the climate tech ecosystem, here is how you can contribute to it. Today, I'm asking for your support and a donation or sponsorship to make the work of our self-funded team more viable. Even a small contribution means a lot to us. 
In any case, I will invite you to subscribe to our channels and visit our website startupbasecamp.org to discover more episodes like this one and get your membership to access all our members' exclusive content. So remember, all of this is possible because of your support and donation. And we want you to be part of this collective movement against climate change. Let's keep in touch and I hope you will enjoy our next show with us.